Why don't you guys, before you take a seat, why don't you just turn around and shake the hand of a person next to you. I'm Pete. Nice to meet you, dude. Ryan would be so proud right now. I know, he would. He'd, he'd love this. That's good. Yeah, right. What? Well, good morning, everyone. How are we doing this morning? Good? Yeah? We're, we're the people without the cottages who just kind of st- stuck, stuck around. We just said Holland's better than any other place in the world right now, right? I've been, I don't know about you guys, but I've been enjoying this weather. This, this weather is phenomenal. It's, uh, it's a little humid, but honestly, we'll take it, right? If the sun's out in West Michigan and it's hot and we can be outside, it's a good day. It's a good day. Well, this morning we're going to be beginning a series called The Secret Place. It's a short series. We're only going to be doing it for about three weeks. Um, but our heart behind this is that we were created for one reason and one reason alone, and that's to love God with everything that we are. That is the purpose for our existence, right? Moses said, you know, in Deuteronomy 6, he said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? That is why God created us, because he wanted to have fellowship with his creation. See, before we were created, God existed, right? Three in one, the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he said, man, let's make mankind in our image so that they can enjoy what we have, this fellowship. And so that's, that's what we're going to talk about this morning is the secret place. I mean, what's the secret place? The secret place isn't necessarily the specific location, right? It can be, but the secret place, and, and, and what we're going to be talking about is any place that you're creating a space just to encounter God, where you get by yourself and you just spend time with God, just you and Him. That's what the secret place is. And so it could be a specific place. It could be in my room. I could do that every day. I could meet with God in my room, and that could be, become where I have my secret place. But my secret place is just anywhere where I'm making room for God to come and speak to me, okay? So before we begin, I, d- I just wanted to pray. Lord, we just welcome you here this morning, Jesus. Yeah, God, we just, we just declare everything that we just sang. God, you have no rival. You have no equal. God, there's none like you. And Jesus, today we want to encounter you. We want to know you more. God, would you speak to us, God? I just pray, Father, that each and every one of our hearts, God, would just be open to receive whatever you have for us this morning, God, and that we would walk away, God, more in love with you than we came in today. And so, Jesus, we love you and we thank you in your mighty name. Amen. Secret place, first and foremost, is a place where we become more like Jesus. Okay, look at that. that I, this, is, this, is my, this is what frustrates me today about, about coming to church and, 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 and the Western mindset of how we do things around here. It's just about making it. Has anyone ever noticed that? We believe so we could go to heaven. I don't know about you guys, but that's what I grew up thinking, right? Like, I believe in Jesus so that when I die, I go to heaven. But I don't see that anywhere in my Bible. I don't see that that's the purpose that we're supposed to live. I see I, What I see in my Bible is that the purpose for us believing in Jesus and following Jesus so that we are made more like him. So check it out. That's the whole narrative of the Bible. In Genesis 1, right, we were just talking about God created mankind in his image. 
And he said, it was good. You know, it was very good. Okay? And in Genesis 1.28, he said, now go, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. Okay? And so what Jesus wanted, what the Father wanted in that moment was that the earth would be full of worshipers who look like him. What do you mean? Like, what do you mean they look like him? Well, they were holy as he was holy. See, before the fall, there was not a blemish. There was not a stain. Sin was not separating. See, mankind was in the image of God, and they got to enjoy fellowship with God. Unhindered fellowship. They, gotta, they knew what it sounded like for God to be walking in the cool of the day. See, God created mankind, and he said, Now go, fill the earth so that the earth can be full of worshipers who are like me in their holiness and their character story, right? We turned from God. Our hearts were hard and our minds were darkened. We couldn't enjoy fellowship with him. We were, we were dead in our sins. Enter Jesus. Jesus comes onto the scene, right? He dies in our, in our spot on the cross. He raises from the dead. He defeats the enemy. He fills us with his spirit, right? And he makes a way for us to be restored to that fellowship with God. See, after Jesus died and rose from the grave, it was as if we never sinned. We were justified. Justified, never sinned. So justified means, right? We were justified. It was just as if I had never sinned. God brought me back to that place of being able to enjoy fellowship with him like I did in the garden. But that wasn't all that Jesus did. See, Jesus also showed us what the Father looked like, right? Hebrews 1.3, it says that Jesus was the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of the Father. Romans 8, 29, says that those God foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So what we see is that Jesus also showed us what we were created to be like. He showed us what the image of God and man looked like. We just said, God made man in his image. Jesus brought us back to that place. His blood cleansed us, and he showed us how to live like him, right? And so when we read, we talk, a couple weeks ago, we talked about the Great Commission, Okay? Matthew 28, Jesus is standing in front of his disciples, and he's realizing he knows what his blood did for them. I don't think the disciples will realize in that moment, but what we hear Jesus say when he says, go and make disciples, he's echoing the command that the Father gave in the garden. Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. Go and make disciples of all nations. Jesus brought us back to the place of the garden, and then he he gave us the same commission. Now go, be fruitful, multiply. You say, well, Pete, where are you going with this? God has been on a mission to restore us to our right standing with him so that we can look like him, be made holy like him, and that we can worship him. Not just when I die, but right here and right now. And the secret place is where that happens. Jesus talked about this in the farewell discourse in John 15. He talked about what it looks like to become more like him. See, a life that is constantly growing into the likeness of Jesus is a life that bears fruit. And Jesus said that you can only bear fruit one way, by abiding. Living from the secret place is learning to live a life that is abiding in Jesus. That is what it is. And so if you guys have your Bibles, you want to open up to John 15, that's where we're going to be. If you don't have your Bibles, you've got a phone app, go ahead and open that up. But if not, i got slides, okay? This is what Jesus says in John 15, verse 4. Okay? Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, 
you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit. And so prove to be my, my disciples. What did Jesus say? Prove to be my disciples. How? By bearing fruit. How do you bear fruit? Abiding. Jesus says that it is the mission of his followers to abide in him. But what, what, what frustrates me, what grabs my heart, what, what kind of me, challenges me as I observe uh, the Christian life is that many of us would say that like, it's a priority in our daily life to spend time with Jesus. How many of us would say we wake up in the morning and we're like, man, if I could just spend time with Jesus today. I don't know about you, but oftentimes I wake up in the morning, I'm like, man, I need my coffee. You know, I need to I check the Packers news. You know, and then I get on my computer and I'm checking other. And all of a sudden it's like Jesus becomes second place in my daily schedule. And Jesus is saying, just know that it is impossible to be transformed and become more like me without me. And so often we're trying to do things without Jesus. You hear what I'm saying? How could we have expected the disciples to become more like Jesus if they never spent time with him? See, something changed in the disciples' hearts and their minds and the way they lived their lives. When Jesus called Peter, he was completely different than what we read in Acts 2 when he preached and 3,000 came to the Lord. See, what happened was is Jesus, or Peter had spent time with Jesus. And as disciples of Jesus, as followers of Jesus in 2018... It hasn't changed. The way we follow Jesus has not changed. And Jesus said, it's going to be better for you when I leave. Why? So that you can have my Holy Spirit. What's that mean? 24-7 access to the person of God. See, when Jesus was here in his earthly body, if he was in Jerusalem and the disciples weren't in Jerusalem, they didn't have access to him. If he was in Galilee and they weren't in Galilee, they didn't have access to him. But now he's given us his spirit. That means that everywhere I go, he's there. Means when I'm in my room by myself, he's with me. Means when I'm at work, he's with me. See, Jesus said that it would be better for him or for us when he leaves. Okay? And so we have the ability to spend our life with Jesus. What we've made it out to be, what we've made Christianity out to be is just going to church. Just go to church. Leave church. Nothing really changes in my life, you know. I'm in a Bible study, though. That's good. That's pretty good. And, you know, I'm I'm in a missional community, too. feel pretty good about that. I do daily devotion. I'm not knocking those things. There's a place for them. And amen. I, I hope that we all have things like that. But that can't be our faith. See, our faith in Jesus is illustrated by our intimacy with Jesus. See, it doesn't take a lot of faith for me to get in my car and to show up on church on a Sunday morning. It just takes, I just have to wake up, roll out of bed, throw some clothes on, get in my car and go there. But it takes faith for me to meet with God by myself when no one else is around. It takes faith for me to get alone with an invisible God and say, God, I, I trust that you're hearing me right now. God, I trust that when I speak, you're moving. God, I trust that when I open up my heart, you're responding. See, that's faith. And that's what we're called to do. And it's in that place that Jesus says that we bear fruit. I'm not talking about doing more. I'm not talking about trying harder. I'm talking about being. 
So you plant an apple seed, and it just grows into an apple tree, and it, it produces apples. You don't have to tell it to bear fruit. It just, that's what it does. It's a tree. In the same way, when we come to Jesus, and the seed of Jesus is planted in our hearts, and we just take time to foster that and, and to be with God, like we just naturally begin to bear fruit. Why? Because we're abiding in him. We're remaining in him. I'm not saying that the secret place is the only place to abide, right? Obviously, abiding goes further than the secret place, but the secret place is where we learn how to abide. See, there's no becoming like Jesus in other areas of my life if I'm not first learning to be with him when I'm alone. See, if I want to be like Jesus in my workplace, I can't do that apart from being with him when I'm not around anyone else. If I want to be like Jesus in my family, I can't do that apart from being with him when I'm by myself. See, Jesus says, without me, did you guys catch that? He says, look, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Man, that's kind of like a dagger to the heart, right? How many times have I think I've been really productive, been doing all these good things, and then at the end of the day, I realize, man, I've been doing that without Jesus. Kind of sounds like he's saying, well, that kind of just amounts to nothing. That's convicting. How many times do I get to the end of my day and I'm brushing my teeth and I'm like, oh shoot, I haven't really spent time with Jesus. Jesus is saying, let this be the foundation of your life that you know me. This is eternal life that you may know me. Know me. It's all about knowing God. See, this is just me. This is just how I read the Bible. But when I read the Bible, I see this holistic message permeating scripture. It's knowing God deeply. Loving him with everything we are and reflecting him to a dark world. There's no, there's no reflecting if I don't know him. <laughs> I can't reflect something that I don't see. See, how could we have expected the disciples to become more like Jesus if they never spent time with them? We couldn't have. I wouldn't expect Peter, if Jesus said, hey, follow me, and he just dropped his net but never got out of his boat and Jesus walked off into the sunset. I couldn't, it would be unrealistic for me to expect that he would, three years later, know Jesus' heart, his character, how he loved people, because he never followed him. All he did was drop his net. And sometimes I think that's what we're doing. We just have dropped our net, but we haven't taken the time to actually follow him, to sit with him, to hear him speak to us, to ask him to teach us, ask him to lead us. Sometimes we just want to go to church and then check it off our list. But God says, don't do that. Just know that apart from you, you can't do that. You can't bear fruit. You can't become like me. It's impossible. See, I think my, my biggest bone to pick right now, as I look at the church on, a, on this macro level, is that we've kind of got to this place in our faith where it's just believe in me and go to heaven. I don't see that. I say believe in me. I see be, believe in me. Be transformed. Be transformed here and now. See, John says this in 1 John 2, verse 28. He says, little children, abide in him, so that when he returns, you won't shrink back in fear and in shame. Little children, abide in him, so that when he returns, you won't shrink back in fear and in shame. He's saying that when God returns, if we're found not abiding in him, we're going to see this the most glorious Man, honestly, any, any account you read of anyone encountering God in the Bible, the first thing they do is they hit, their, hit the floor. 
Like they can't stand the glory of God. That's how amazing he is. And on this side of eternity, we don't fully understand it. But when we see him face to face, it will send a holy awe and fear through us. He's saying, remain in him so that when he returns, in another verse in 1 John, he says, when he returns, we will be like him. See, what John's saying is that live your life abiding in him constantly, day by day, becoming more like him so that when he returns, you could be found right with him. See, James says it this way. He says in James 2, verse 18 through 20, I believe, he says, you believe in one true God? Good for you. So do the demons, and they shudder. <laughs> what, what he's saying is, is more than just an intellectual. See, what we've, what we've developed in our culture is this, this intellectual agreement. Oh, yeah, I believe God exists, so I'm good. But James is saying it's not a real faith. A real faith shows it in the life that you live. See, a real faith shows that there's fruit, right? If I really believe in God, that means that there's going to be fruit in my life. You know, we were praying this morning in, in Crozier. He, he had this verse come to his mind. It was in 1 John 3, and he said, like we, we've been transformed because we can tell that we're connected with God because of the way we love someone. See, there's a fruit. Like there's a fruit for me believing in God and following him in my own life. And what I'm getting at here is that God is not just calling us to believe that he exists, but he's calling us to believe in him and now to follow him and to be transformed in our likeness, into his likeness. That means every area of my life is being transformed day in and day out, and that's the sign of authentic faith. That's the sign that I'm actually following him. And it starts in abiding with him in the secret place. It starts by marking, building my life around him and his presence and being with him. And you say, oh, Pete, that's legalistic. That's biblical Christianity. Everything that I am revolves around Jesus. Oh, I don't know, man. That sounds really tough. It sounds like you're setting the bar high. God set the bar high. He wants us to be people who love him with everything we are, and it's not a burdensome call. It's the greatest invitation that we've ever been given because in his presence, the psalmist writes, is fullness of joy. In his presence, I actually encounter peace. In his presence, I see the breakthrough that I'm longing for. As I pray, he responds. See, that's an invitation. It's not a burden. It's not an obligation. And I think sometimes we've made it out to be one. I'm just here to say that's not true. Man, when I'm rooted in God and I'm centering my life around him, I, I tell you what, that's when I actually feel alive. You know, that's when my anxieties and my burdens are wiped away. That's when my shame and my guilt and my condemnation, all these things I've been wrestling with, that's when they're annihilated in the presence of God. See, this is an invitation, yes, to become more like him, and that can be painful at times. There's a refining fire that happens when we walk with him, but it's also the greatest invitation we could ever receive because we don't deserve it. We don't deserve it. And if you think you do, you're wrong. But God loves us enough to give it to us. He loves us enough to give himself to us and invite us into fellowship. So that's what we're talking about here is that God has given us an invitation to love him, to be with him, and to become like him. And that's really the purpose of our lives. And so when we do stand before the King of kings and the Lord of lords and he looks at us, he's good. well done, good and faithful servant. You didn't just agree with me in your head. You followed me with your life, and that's what I was looking for. You let your heart train. You learned how to forgive people. Well done, good and faithful servant. You didn't hold your own life higher than everyone else. You were selfless. Well done, good and faithful servant. Jesus says we can't become like him if we're not spending time with him. So my question for us today is, 
how many of us would say that we're building our lives, centering our lives around being with Jesus? Because in order to be an effective disciple, we need to be with him. We were called to be fruitful and multiply. The only way I'm going to bear, bear fruit is if I'm walking with Jesus and I'm learning from him. Jesus gives us a snippet of what it looks like to not follow him. In Revelation 3, okay? Revelation 3, Jesus says this. Verse 15, I know your deeds. You're neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Because you say I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing, and you do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may become rich, and white garments so that you may clothe yourself, and that the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed, and eye salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Get this. It sounds like Jesus is talking to an unbeliever, right? But what, what we miss in verse 14 is that Jesus is actually talking to the church of Laodicea. Okay? And what he's saying is, is look, th- these, are, these are people who follow Jesus. But what he says is, you found comfort in the wrong place. Let me give you a little background. This city that, that, that this church was in, Laodicea, it was... A, a baking center, right? And they had a major, highly trafficked um, highways through this city. And they were known for their, their medical field. Like they had an ISAB that was claimed to have like treated eye problems, okay? And so this was a very affluent community. People um, were well off. There was great, you know, big houses. And, and this was the place to be. And what Jesus is saying is you found comfort in the wrong places. At one point in time, you were linked to me and you were following me and you were giving me everything that you were. But guess what? Now you're finding comfort in your situation. You're finding comfort in your success. You're finding comfort in the house that you have and in the money that you make. Well, guess what? Because that you found your comfort in these wrong places, now you're lukewarm. Let me just say something. It's when we're living a life of abiding with Jesus that the Holy Spirit blows on the fire in our hearts. And it gets stoked. And it gets burning more. And then I come back and it gets burning more. I'm not talking about feeling a fire. See, that's, that's a lot of my problem within the church today too, is that we just want to feel God. I don't see that in the Bible. I say that we're supposed to have faith and trust and believe what His Word says. And so it's every time I'm coming before Him, I'm meeting with Him. And His fellowship and His love for me, man, it stokes a fire in my heart. But what happened is, what we see is life. This church, they allowed life to get in the way of their fellowship. And as a result, their faith just kind of became nominal. Just kind of became lukewarm. Jesus says, you don't realize it, but you've become wretched, miserable, poor, blind, naked. That doesn't sound to me like someone who's walking really, really connected to Jesus. That just doesn't sound like a, a, a kingdom identity. What Jesus is saying is that, yeah, I, I, you can walk with me, but if you, if you take your eyes off me and you stop finding comfort in me and my fellowship and my, my presence with you, this is the result. You don't even realize it. See, I, I bet you this church, it wasn't like they were waking up in the morning like, oh man, we really need Jesus today. They were comfortable. That's what like lukewarmness is. It's just a, com- a false comfort, 
we're good with just waking up and getting through the day and then enjoying our night. Like, and pretty soon, Jesus just fell off their radar. Jesus just fell off their... He's saying, don't do that. What he says is, I counsel you. He says, I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may become rich, white garments so that you may clothe yourself, and, 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 and an eye staff so that you may see. What Jesus is saying here is not, you need to buy something from me, you need to do something to earn this back. He's saying this, what's the most important commodity that we have? It's our time. He's saying, I counsel you to invest your time with me. And I don't, digging, digging up gold, right? Finding that gold. See, it's in the secret place where we invest our time with Jesus that we begin to dig up our gold. And in 1 Peter 1, he talks a little bit about what gold refined by fire is, and it's an authentic faith. <laughs> Do you hear what I'm saying? Peter says that, that the gold refined by fire is an authentic faith. And what Jesus is saying here is, I advise you to buy gold for me, be refined by fire. It's when I spend my time with Jesus that my faith is proved authentic. It's when I invest myself in Jesus and I put him first place in my life that my faith is found true. She's not saying buy something from me with this money or current. He's saying invest your time in me. You've forgotten about me. You kind of backslid a little bit. You're kind of feeling a little too comfortable, and you don't realize that you're separated from me now. You may agree. I, I bet, I guarantee you that this church agreed that Jesus was the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But Jesus still said, you're lukewarm. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire. Give me your time. Spend time with me. Then your faith will be proved authentic, true, and real. Then he goes, you know, so that you may have white garments. What's white garments? Man, that's the identity that he, Jesus has given us through his blood. I am holy, righteous, and pure, and not because of a single thing that I've done, but everything that Jesus has done for me on the cross. But they forgot about that, right? Jesus said, you, you're naked. You're walking around naked. If you invest your time in, with me, I'll show you who you really are. I counsel you to invest your time in me so that you may see who you really are. I'll clothe you in white. You'll see who I've made you to be. He's not talking about do more, try harder. He's saying be with me. Be with me so that you can experience the fullness of life. And lastly, it's in the presence of God. It's when we're investing our time in fellowship with Jesus that he gives us his own heavenly eyesight that, that helps us to see with a different perspective. See, it's when I leave the secret place that I just look at things differently. When I'm connected with Jesus and walking with him intimately, I just see life differently. I can't explain it. It's not because of me. But it's because I'm connected to God's heart. And all of a sudden, his heart becomes mine. It's not because of anything I'm doing. It's just me being with him. And his heart becomes mine. And my heart for the world changes. All of a sudden, I'm treating my wife differently. All of a sudden, I'm treating my family members differently. All of a sudden, I'm not looking at life as this big obligation that I have to just make it through my day. But actually, it becomes a a joy. And I actually start to see, man, there's value in this. Like, I, I wasn't just created to live, breathe, and then die. Like, I was created to live, breathe, and reflect the King. But my fear is that at some points like in our lives, mine especially, like I just kind of feel like this church. I don't know about you, but sometimes I do feel like I'm lukewarm. 
Sometimes I do feel like I'm disconnected. So what do, what do we do? Do we just, okay, and then keep coasting on through, and then all of a sudden we stand before Jesus, and we're like, hey, I, I don't want to do that. John said, when he returns, make sure that you're found abiding so that you may be like him. This thing's a constant, continual transformation. And that's the invitation that we've been given. Jesus talks about this in Matthew 6. This is what Jesus says. When you pray, you're not to be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by man. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. There's that reward again. Jesus is saying, I counsel you to buy this gold, these white garments, this ISAP. Our reward in the secret place is becoming more like God. He's not saying, oh, you're going to have the best life ever and everything's going to go super well for you and man, everyone's going to think you're the man, P. That's not what he's saying. He's saying that your reward for a life that's devoted to me in the secret place is a transformative life. It's a life that's ever increasing and becoming like me. That's my reward. And that is the greatest reward that we could ever have because at the end of the day, what that means is that I'm living with God and enjoying His friendship. I can't think of anything better. I mean, that changes things. When you're linked up with God, that changes things. See, all of a sudden, like, the worries of life just kind of fall away because we understand who's on the throne. We understand that Jesus is seated on the throne and He is not getting off Nothing can knock him off. There's not a worry in this life that can actually interrupt what he's doing. See, it's when I'm connected with Jesus in the secret place that my reward is made real to me because I'm enjoying my fellowship with him and I'm becoming more like him. Jesus goes on in Revelation 3, same letter that we were just reading. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him. Hear me. Jesus is knocking on the door of each and every one of our hearts every second of every day. This wasn't a one-time knock when he got saved. This is an everyday knock. And each and every day, he's wanting to come into our hearts, come into our lives, come into our schedules and enjoy fellowship with us. He says, I'll come in and dine with you. Did you know that that's not a little thing, especially in Jewish tradition and Jewish custom, like sharing a meal with someone meant you were lifelong friends with them. Jesus is saying like, let me in. Come on, let me in and we can enjoy each other. I don't know about you, but that invitation to come in and enjoy God is really appealing to me. That's a really appealing invitation because I know that I need him. Man, there's so many times that I fall short. And what this, what this message isn't is like, oh, we just need to be better, do better. No, it's just saying that we have an advocate who shed his blood for us, who died for us, and wants to make us right with himself so that we can become more and more and more like him. But so many of us, we just, we walk in this thing of like, oh yeah, well, I'm going to heaven one day, so I'm good. You know, I can't tell you how many Christians have been like, hey, you know, like, you need prayer for anything? They're like, no, I'm good. Like, really? What do you do? <laughs> Let me in on this. I know that I need help. And Jesus is saying every single day that you are awake and you have breath in your, your lungs, that's God's mercy sustaining you. That's the power of his word sustaining you. And it's another opportunity to respond to his love. 
It's another opportunity to say, God, I'm fully yours. God, I surrender to you. Man, I'm so grateful for what you've done to me on the cross. But see, this isn't a message of condemnation. Oh, man, what are you guys? No, this is a, a message of invitation. God wants to encounter us with his love. He wants to wash over us with his peace, his joy, and his goodness so that we can reflect them. Jesus said that whoever drinks from me from within their innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Jesus was a stream. We drink from him, and now that stream is within us. See, it's every day when I'm coming to Jesus and drinking from him, his Holy Spirit is now flowing out of my heart, and I actually have something of substance to give the world around me. Without that fellowship, without that intimacy, without that drinking from him continually every day, Jesus says, I have nothing to give anyone. And I've seen the fruit of that in my own life, or the lack of fruit, (laughs) right? I've tried to do it. Man, I've tried to encourage people. I've tried to be there for people. I've tried to do all those things apart from Jesus. And this sounds like clanging cymbals. <laughs> this sounds empty and void. Ask Jess. I've tried a lot of days to try and be a good husband. It just doesn't work. I try a lot of days just to put her in front of me without Jesus. It just doesn't work. But when I'm rooted and connected to Jesus, my whole life begins to look different. And I'm actually realizing the purpose of what I, why I was created. To reflect God. You know, when, when God said in Genesis 1, be fruitful and multiply, and he wanted to fill the earth with worshipers who looked like him, it pleased him to see his holiness in Adam and Eve. It pleased him to see humankind reflect him. We, we messed it up. We, didn't, we shouldn't have another opportunity, but now here's Jesus with his Holy Spirit saying, you could do it again. You can come back to that place where you can be made more like him. I'm going to invite the band up. The invitation that God has given us is so special. My fear is that we would actually be okay with being lukewarm. That we would be lukewarm and loving it. My fear is that some of us would hear this message and say, well, yeah, I know God loves me. And then we just go, out, go back home, we go grill out, and we forget about it, right? And then next, next Sunday we come and there's another message for us to ignore. My heart is, let us not, let us not fail to respond to God's love. Let us not be content with living lives that are apart from Him. See, how bad would my marriage be I neglected Jesse and never spent time with her. But sometimes we're okay with neglecting our groom. See, in the Bible, it talks very clear, specifically and clearly about we are the, the bride of Christ and he's our bridegroom. And so often we are content in our marriage with God with just neglecting him and rejecting him and ignoring him. But oh, no, I'm not doing that. Well, that's what our life is saying that we're doing when we don't make time for him. My heart. Man, let's, let's chase after Jesus. Spend time with Jesus. Well, Pete, what does this look like? It doesn't look like anything more than me just spending time, getting in front of Jesus, closing the door behind me, and just saying, God, I'm yours. See, what happened was with me in my own walk with God is I used to come before God with this agenda. I'd read two chapters of a book or of, of the Bible. I'd close it, get up, and leave. And then I'd be like, man, why is this sin in my life not falling away? Why am I not growing in holiness and character? And what God had to do is like, man, you got to 
come to me without an agenda. Come to me without a to-do list. Come before me and just say, God, I'm yours. Don't try and fit me in a 10-minute break in your schedule. Make me your schedule. Man, I'm waking up in the morning. How am I going to fit God in today? I'm just going to find the ways that I can be with God. And letting that be what dominates our mindset day to day to day. That's when we'll find an authentic faith in a life that bears the fruit of Jesus everywhere we go.